Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this episode, we discuss U.S. soccer's debut on HBO Max and Telemundo, our thoughts on how TV broadcasters are getting more access to your Premier League matches, your opinions about MLS season pass news so far, plus we have letters from you in our mailbag segment. My, my name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, we will definitely talk about the U.S. women's national team debut on HBO Max and Telemundo and Peacock shortly. But uh, I'm pretty sure you caught this. But from this past weekend of Premier League coverage on NBC Sports, there were a couple of interesting developments. And that's in regards to player access, which in the past has been very little, especially with the Premier League uh, or English football in general. However, we did see some glimpses of um, how things are improving, uh, in quotation marks, uh, in that area. What did you see, first of all, for anyone who missed it? But also, what's your thoughts about it? Yeah, I I, uh, have to say, I guess uh, for those who follow me on Twitter, they saw I was uncomfortable with the the Norgard interview at halftime of the Brentford match. Uh, And it's not that... I'm uncomfortable with it per se. It's just that it's, it's strange to me, right? I, I always, I know in American sports, they do it. It's very commonplace for broadcasters to talk to a coach. Uh, I, the one American sport I still watch regularly is, is ECC college basketball. And yes, they talk to the coaches at halftime on the way into the locker room. Um, so. Because just to mention, just to throw this in though too. So this was a a player walking off the pitch uh, right right after the halftime whistle on his way to uh, the dressing room, changing room, locker room, whatever you call right. it. Uh, BT Sports uh, microphone in hand. Hey, what do you think of that first half? How did it go so far? Yeah, and I think it was it was uh, obviously planned to be Norgard because he's the uh, captain or was wearing the armband at Brentford in this match. So. I, I assume he expected it. It was planned, but it still was to me kind of uncomfortable. Uh, and it's something I guess we'll get used to. Uh, we don't even really have um, pitch side uh, or what they would call sideline reporters in the U.S. that often at, at, at football matches uh, in the U.K. We've had them in the past, but not regularly. So that was odd. So I, I 
think I'll get used to it, but it was just still something that uh, that hit me like a brick. And then um, the Kepa interview uh, that NBC was able to conduct uh, uh, after the uh, Chelsea Crystal Palace match, that's uh, another uh, positive development. We've seen a few of these now. We saw Kevin De Bruyne uh, interviewed after, I forget which Manchester City match, but after the World Cup break, uh, one of the matches during the festive period uh, with an NBC mic, uh, mic flag on, on a mic uh, doing a live interview with uh, uh, the studio in Stanford. So uh, that's very positive. I, I really uh, like that. I applaud NBC and Sky for being able to uh, bring that to us. And I'm sure Sky is helping facilitate it on, on the UK end. Uh, so I think that that's a positive thing. And another thing I, I, I noticed uh, this past weekend in NBC's coverage of the Premier League was uh, I think that there were um, there was more uh, emphasis and, and they've done this a lot in the past, right? Uh, when Arlo White was the lead commentator. But I do think that there was more emphasis uh, in both the pregame and the post-match shows of talking to um, to, to Peter and Lee or Peter and Graham, whichever combo it was, uh, and really kind of uh, digging deeper into into the match uh, at hand. So, uh, and maybe it's more insightful now because it's Peter Drury rather than Arlo White. Maybe that's why I, I, uh, I flagged it this weekend as a very positive thing from NBC. But, um, I think that they're really making some major improvements with their coverage. Again, uh, the Norgard interview and, and the halftime interviews, something that I'm not comfortable with, but I think most of the viewers probably enjoy. The other thing we saw, too, in that Brentford match was a kind of a live footage of uh, inside the changing room, inside the, uh, the dressing room at Brentford. You could see Thomas Frank giving his pre-match uh, team talk and, and players still in their tra- training gear getting ready to change into uh, the first team uniforms or first team, first team kits. And that's something too that we've seen bits and pieces of this in, in the past in very small amounts. So there are certain things, of the, the certain aspects of the greater access that I do like. Um, I'm with you, Kartik, in terms of the kind of the sideline reporter. The you mean that you mean the, the basically at halftime, whether it's coming off the field or on the field. I don't like for the for, for the most part because it, it is a sacred space, yes, but but also it's one of those things where it's very rare that you'll ever get any insightful um, thoughts or analysis or, or viewpoints. Very very rare. So I think it's a waste of time. I mean, I'd rather them go back in the tunnel, do their thing, come out and play the game. And then, and then, like you said, too, in terms of having Peter Drury and Graham Lasseau uh, going to them on camera, uh, either right after the match uh, at Old Trafford, getting their thoughts about the offside um, non, uh, non-decision, basically. I think it's good because, I mean, oftentimes, too, they, I mean, Graham and Peter have been in the game for so long. They're experts. They have some really good opinions and thoughts, and they're they're at the match. They're right there in the stadium. They can give us that that viewpoints. So yeah, I, I like to I like how things are going with this Premier League season, both on the pitch and off the pitch. I mean, it, to me, it really is absorbing. Uh, yes, we do have the Bundesliga starting again uh, this weekend on Friday with a game that's going going to be on ESPN two, as well as ESPN plus. I'm looking forward to that too, but. Yeah, and you look at this Premier League weekend and you got what Liverpool against Chelsea on the Saturday morning 7:30 uh kickoff uh game uh on Peacock with uh Mudrick probably getting some playing time in this match. So 
yeah, there's a lot going on in the Premier League for sure. We could do obviously we could do a whole uh, podcast on that. So let's move the shift uh, to the the coverage of the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team. Uh, this is the start of a brand new right cycle. Uh, previously, as many of our listeners would know, is that the the rights to the U.S. men's and, and women's national team games were combined with Major League Soccer into one one package. Uh, those have now been separated. So MLS is on its own and it signed its deal with Apple and got the TV deal with Fox. And then on the uh, U.S. men's national team and, and women's national team side of things, uh, they've gone on their own and uh, signed a deal with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, on the English language side. And then at the, le- the 11th hour, with t- <laughs> within 12 hours of kickoff, um, U.S. Uh, soccer announces a deal with Telemundo Deportes. Those games on Telemundo Deportes are going to be either on Telemundo or Universo, um, but every single game will be in Spanish on Peacock. So we saw uh, on uh, Tuesday night our first glimpses of uh, coverage for both uh, Telemundo and for um, Turner, Warner Brothers Discovery, um, and, and the game being on HBO Max. Kartik, what was your thoughts of uh, the U.S. women's national team's performance on the pitch, but also in terms of what you saw from uh, both uh, the coverage on HBO Max and on Telemundo and or Peacock? It's the same same coverage, but w- w- wherever you watched it. Yeah, in terms of the performance on the pitch, the first half was pretty poor. Uh, Honestly, uh, New Zealand, as we've seen in previous matchups between these two sides, not the sternest test, although this, I believe, is the first time the U.S. has traveled to New Zealand to face them, of course, with the World Cup, them co-hosting the World Cup this summer. Uh, so uh, the performance, I, I'm not that uh, bothered by one way or another. Uh, the U.S. obviously has not been playing well towards the tail end of 2022. So... I guess getting a 4-0 win, uh, however difficult or labored it might have been in the first half, is positive. So in terms of the coverage, um, a couple points. Let's start with uh, let's start with uh, Telemundo on the Spanish side, Telemundo and Peacock and Universo. Uh, Andres Contour calling U.S. women's national team's games is amazing. <laughs> it just is. Um, there's, there's no other way to express that. Uh, and uh, I think it's it's really, from a credibility standpoint, something that Univision, who were the previous rights holders through that bundle with Soccer United Marketing and MLS, uh, they were not able to provide that. And I don't think they necessarily uh, provided the sort of uh, serious uh, coverage. It was almost just obligatory coverage from them, right? So I, the Telemundo, big upgrade. And then also the halftime, I thought, was very well done um, out of their Miami studios, except it was all about the men's team. So uh, that might have been a canned segment. Uh, Yunus Musa, uh, nice feature on him, uh, a nice little discussion about uh, the men's team. So th- that was good. But I-, I think with Telemundo, the thing we we found is that they cover major tournaments and they cover the Premier League and they're part of NBC Universal. So the production is always crisp, the graphics are good, and the commentary is uh, is is at a high level. So uh, this is great for U.S. soccer, in in my opinion. The deal with uh, with uh, NBC Universal on the Spanish language side. Uh, let's shift to HBO Max uh, on the uh, English language side. I know there's 
a lot of criticism of Julie Foudy among some women's soccer fans saying she's kind of out of touch with what's going on in NWSL. She's out of touch with uh, with some of the developments even within the U.S. Uh, player pool. But I still think she's the best in the business in providing analysis. Maybe maybe Ali Wagner is uh, is is a co number one, but I still think she's there one or one A or one B because she knows the other sides. She does the proper preparation. So we we learned a lot about New Zealand during the match from her, uh, and there's a uh, a willingness to be critical of the play of the U.S. that I think maybe some other commentators don't have. So I think that was a a, a good choice. And then their studio. Uh, if you didn't see it post game, uh, Chris, I know you saw it as well. So I'm uh, sure you have some comments on this. HBO, uh, HBO and Turner going right into an area where previous rights holders were kind of uh, hesitant about. I mean, Fox was hesitant in, in, in wraparound coverage of games to be critical. Um, ESPN would have the criticisms from, uh, from, from, from from members of their team. I think Max Bredos was really good as a host, but once he left, uh, I saw a little bit of drop-off in that. And then obviously, uh, Casey Keller always critical in the studio. But uh, Demarcus Beasley, um, not only... Um, it gave some really good pointed criticisms of the of the men's situation, the Burhalter Arena situation. I don't necessarily agree with everything he said, but I'm glad he's putting it out there. I'm glad we're having the conversation. And the other thing I found interesting, Chris, and, and interested in your take on this, um, Luke Wildman is obviously the host, but then Demarcus Beasley began to kind of facilitate the discussion and ask um, the uh, others on the panel, uh, right, who were former women's national team players, about their experiences as professionals and what happens when this sort of thing happens in a dressing room and blows up. So I, I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, on that point specifically about uh, DeMarcus Beasley uh, discussing and actually turning it to um, Shannon Box and uh, Julie Foudy and saying like, hey, and from his own personal experience saying like, hey, uh, what's happened to you guys when when there's been a possibility of a uh, coaching change? Has, has US soccer come to you to ask you for your opinions? I mean, it felt a little bit um, rehearsed, the question. I mean, it's I, I'm sure dur- during uh, kind of uh, rehearsals for coverage, they probably talked about it and said, OK, hey, what if we ask this question? However, you I mean, whether, whether it was rehearsed or not, it was a great question. And it did bring some light to what it's like to be within that camp, within a to be a U.S. men's or women's uh, team player. And uh, a coaching question comes up. And them being asked what what's their thoughts about it? I mean, is is you know, how's it going? Are you do you think that you're uh, achieving the best that you can under the current coach? Whatever the questions are, that was really good. Overall, I thought the production was really smooth. I thought it uh, was a kind of really good pro- uh, actual broadcast. Um, really, nothing to criticize it about. I mean, it was smooth. It was uh, it. They didn't try to overcomplicate it. As we've seen with uh, Turner in the past when they had the UEFA Champions League, where they did the two studios and they had even a, a completely different take on, on how to cover soccer. This was by the book. And I thought Luke Wildman was good. Uh, Julie Foudy, to me, is one of the best co- co-commentators in, in, in the women's business. Uh, I, I think you can't go wrong when you have her. She's, I mean, she knows her stuff. 
She's very professional. Um, it was all good. It was all good. And, and I think in terms of the discussion about um, uh, Greg Berhalter and whether he should go into Marcus leading off saying like, hey, beforehand I was in the Berhalter camp, but after everything that's happened, I really feel that I don't think we can go on with Greg Berhalter. The only part of that I would say in terms of some some critical analysis on that is that to me, I, th- I think in many ways... I would have, I would have liked to have seen the conversation uh, move on a little bit in terms of everyone saying okay pretty pretty short and succinctly yes it's unlikely that Berhalter is going to have his contract renewed it's time to move on so now what type of coach are we looking at who would be a, a best fit for this type of position not the individual uh, per se but what type of coach are we looking for but uh, overall very impressed from the first uh, broadcast. Yeah, one, one other thing I should point out is I think uh, in terms of, and maybe again, it's a first game and and uh, we start to see, uh, we start to make critiques as we go on. Luke Wildman, who, I, who I've who i liked uh, in the past uh, with TSN, uh, and, and I lauded the uh, the hiring by Turner of him, I, I think he was really solid for, uh, for a match that uh, uh, it, it needed some life from the commentator in that first half. I think he, in addition to my, my previous comments uh, uh, praising Foudy, I thought he was really good. And he got us through that first half. Second half, a lot of the action spoke for itself. But that's the mark of a good commentator. And I guess, too, we'll have to wait and see what happens next week because we've got the um, the, the, the actual second game of this uh, New Zealand against uh, U.S. women's national team friendly on uh, January 20th. So what will they talk about then? And then we've next week we have the uh, U.S. men's national team friendly against Serbia. Um, so there's quite a lot of opportunities here for, for U.S. soccer, well, for, for uh, Warner Brothers Discovery to kind of uh, dig deeper into this topic. But I do like that they started off by being critical and, and talking about something that's a little bit uncomfortable um, in terms of the, the coaching situation. But Kartik, do you really feel that if Fox had the rights that they would have comp- completely ignored this uh, topic? I don't think they would have had as candid a discussion. Now, would they have completely have ignored it? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I, I could I, see because Alexi Lalas has talked about it extensively on his podcast, but I, which is distributed by Fox, by the way. But I, there's always a disconnect between that podcast, Chris, and what they say on air. So uh, that's why I like Alexi's podcast more than I like his uh, his work in the studio. To be honest with you, because his podcast I, is very I could good. See- I can see Rob Stone like kind of turning to Alexis and like, hey, what's what's your thoughts about the current situation? And he would talk around in circles and be like, yeah, USA needs to do better. We need the best, be the best in the world, but without actually uh, zeroing in on what the actual issue is and whether or not he feels that uh, Berhalter should stay or, or go. Um, yeah, but I, I think they would cover it, but they would definitely cover it in a different way and then break for a commercial and off they go, right? <laughs> and and then, and then the game the game comes back. Yeah, and, and in terms of ESPN, of uh, the harder-hitting coverage uh, uh, since, and again, I think it has to do with a lot of studio, et cetera. Max Bredos uh, was very good as a studio host for U.S. Games. He then moved on. Uh, we'll see him on Apple this season, by the way. He's one of the commentators, as we talked about. Uh, but since Max moved on, I think to get that critical conversation, you have to watch the Football America show uh, with uh, Seb Salazar and Herc Gomez. 
Alvarez, which is not uh, connected to the to the match coverage uh, of or, or the previous match coverage of U.S. soccer on ESPN. Obviously, they don't have the rights anymore. So I actually think ESPN probably would not have done as well with the topic uh, during the match coverage. Obviously, the next day on Football Americas, they would have knocked it out of the park as they continue to do. But so in terms of actual match coverage, I think this was really good to have this part of the studio. I think the other thing about this, though, too, is that uh, Peacock is a winner here because now picking up the rights, the Spanish language rights to these games um, prior to this match kicking off. I think a lot of people were looking at, okay, do I sign up for HBO Max for what, 15 or 16 dollars a month? Uh, but now with Peacock being in, it's it's in Spanish, but still for five bucks a month, you get the Premier League games in English, of course, uh, and in Spanish, some of them in Spanish. Uh, you now get uh, most of the U.S. men's national team and and U.S. women's national team games uh, in Spanish. You get the women's World Cup um, in Spanish, and you get the uh, the 2026 World Cup in Spanish too. So if Spanish language is, isn't a barrier for you, this is a cost-effective way to watch a ton of soccer. And it expands really kind of that peacock uh, – I mean – One of the biggest criticisms about Peacock from soccer fans is uh, it's only got the Premier League and that's it. Well, now we've seen in terms of the success that Peacock had during the World Cup, uh, attracting a lot of English language uh, uh, listeners and viewers to watching the games in Spanish. Plus, with Peacock doing well on the Premier League side, I think Peacock's a winner in this one. And HBO Max, we don't know, right? HBO Max is going to be a temporary streaming solution. Then it's going to be changed to Max. And then at that time, you mean, it'll probably have some games still, but a lot of the games will be on TNT. Um, but for me personally, as a cord cutter and as a soccer fan, uh, going to HBO Max and watching the game didn't feel that weird. I thought it would because I thought, okay, there's, I mean, you got Batman, or you've got Succession, you've got uh, The Last of Us, you've got all these different uh, shows and movies and series on HBO Max, but going into it and then clicking on U.S. Women's National Team against uh, New Zealand felt, felt so natural. Here's the thing again. Um, I Yeah, I agree with that, and it was very odd uh, because I I mean, HBO Max is actually my fam- favorite streaming service of the, uh, I tend to watch YouTube more than any streaming service now, but of the you know, the Netflixes, the uh, Amazon Primes, etc. But I, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to get into the app and search. I didn't. It popped right up for me. It was the, it was on the first page because it was the only live event they were showing. Uh, Peacock, much like it is for the Premier League matches for me, I had to search. Now, um, at the same time, it's like I'm used to that with Peacock. I'm used to going into Peacock, seeing whatever movie or NBC show offering they have uh, uh, at the top and then just hitting the search button saying, OK, I want to see Crystal Palace and the, uh, versus Brentford and then it popping up. So I just had to type in USW, not even NT on Peacock and it popped up. So uh, not that bad, but I was impressed. HBO Max, it, it was you didn't even have to search. <laughs> And then looking at this weekend's uh, games, Kartik, we've already mentioned uh, a little bit about the Bundesliga, of course, the Premier League too. But uh, I think you have an interest in the French Cup. Yeah, so the French Cup is going to be on Fox uh, Deportes and on FS2 uh, this weekend. I will, will admit, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, I have not checked uh, Fox's program guide to see which matches are where, but I do know uh, I've been re- reliably informed that there will be at least one match on FS2 and multiple matches on Fox Deportes. So that uh, that means that 
people who don't have BN but have cable and have Fox Deportes if you have the Spanish language package. And then FS2, I think, is in 50, 60 million homes uh, in cable. You do have a chance to watch French football, which is uh, something you don't get to see outside of European competition, right, when they're on CBS because of uh, uh, the BN situation currently. And, and uh, uh, again, I, I, as someone who, who'd like to see the French League more often, I have BN, but I, I just know that it's, it, you can't even have the conversations about Liga. Uh. I even see people now in the U.S., and it bothers me, Chris, but I have seen multiple times in the last six months people refer to the top European leagues as the four top European leagues instead of the five and I think that's a reflection those are Americans I think that's a reflection of BN so um, I'm pleased that Fox is showing some of these matches this weekend yeah just a couple of things about this one too is that one is that uh, we've got the schedule at uh, worldsoccertalk.com for Coupe de France as well as every other league and competition and a lot of the games actually are on Fox Soccer Plus this weekend too so there's a combination of Fox Soccer Plus for some of the games uh, Fox Deportes for some of them, and then FS2 um, has a small number too. The the strange thing about, about this Kartik is that when we announced this deal, well, probably about three weeks ago, and, and broke the news that uh, Fox was going to be showing Coupe de France games um, instead of being sports, and, and we gave, printed the schedule. We 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 talked about the news. However, the strange thing is, is if you go into being sports, whenever any of these Coupe de France games are on, uh, you will find the games, uh, some of those Coupe de France games uh, on being sports connect. However, if you watch it on being sports connect, the same game that's been shown on Fox Soccer Plus or FS2, whatever channel it is uh, on being sports connect, it will have the Fox Soccer Plus logo on it. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously this is, I mean, so being sports has the rights to the French cup. They have the the exclusive rights to the French cup in Canada. They must've decided between Fox, uh, between Fox and being sports, being sports must've sold the rights to Fox to have them go ahead and show it on FS2 and Fox soccer plus, et cetera, uh, for a fee. Who knows how much that fee is. The hard part is BN Sports and Fox Sports, both of them are not very uh, open to talking to the media and press uh, to divulge information like this. So we kind of have to kind of uh, hunt and peck and, and try to find out from our sources what's going on. But it's just weird that some of these games are still on BN Sports Connect with the Fox Soccer Plus logo on it. That's just really strange. And I was not aware of that. So, again, uh, it's because we reported on the deal uh, two weeks ago or, or whenever uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that I knew about this. And then uh, I talked to someone uh, privately at Fox who told me, yeah, uh, uh, matches will be on um, on these channels. But I did not know about the B angle, which um, means that I guess you could watch V and Sports Connect. Um, Anyone can watch that, and uh, that cannibalizes uh, the audience for Fox. Yeah, the French League, uh, we talked a little bit about this on the podcast, and also we have a, a new kind of weekly uh, reader mailbag segment uh, on on the website uh, in written form, uh, answering your questions in addition to the list of the mailbag. But a couple of times uh, the last few weeks, we've had the, the topic of uh, Ligue 1 come up, uh, talking about whether or not uh, the French League should renew its rights with being sports. Discussions will happen at, uh, at this year at some point 
um, the rights end, uh, I believe, is the end of the 23-24 season. So, so next year, about, about 12 months from now. I, I think the French League is, is really stuck, Kartik. I, I, I don't foresee it anytime soon. You mean kind of beating Serie A or Bundesliga? Um, I just don't see how how it's even possible for that league to to be. I mean, to be popular, to to grow in the United States, just because there's so much competition on at the same exact time. PSG is the only way for that for that league to really th- flourish, and there is interest in PSG for sure. I mean, obvious for obvious reasons, but. You mean when the when a, when it's when you have a team that's bigger than the league, which is the same thing with Bayern Munich. I, I would argue that Bayern Munich is bigger than the Bundesliga. It, it it's tough. How how do you survive? What 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 would you do if you're the, the French league? Would you renew with B in Sports or would you go someplace else? I, I wouldn't renew with B in Sports, but I, I think we know the issue, which is PSG got the same ownership as B in Sports, and you just said they're bigger than the league, right? So that's. Ultimately, why all these international deals have been done with BN, the domestic TV deal collapsed a couple of years ago. I don't want to go back and get back into that. But then BN was there at the end again with that uh, for a period. So I I, uh, yeah, I I think it's a major problem. I do think the French League is actually, if you dig into it, probably more competitive and and uh, uh, than than the Bundesliga as much of a. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A proponent of the Bundesliga as I am. And it's... Uh, arguably more compelling than the uh, than Serie A because I think they're more uh, exciting young players that are coming out of that league. There's more tactical variation. There's more big so-called big teams being beaten by smaller sides. Uh, Lance is right now in, in second, uh, just a few points behind PSG. Right, we saw Lille, um, win, uh, another kind of provincial club, win the league a few years ago. Uh, but all of those stories aren't being told because they're on BN or, or they're not being told to a mass audience and. There's no solution in sight if they stay on BN. I mean, we can talk about this, Chris, if they get off BN. And it's a more dire situation than 
the La Liga was in, when we had this conversation, it felt like weekly on the podcast in 2018 and 2019. Uh, the the thing being, the La Liga officials, uh, we knew we we could we we and now it's obviously been out in the open. They knew they had a problem, right? I'm not sure if the French league uh, officials. Uh, know that. I don't know if they understand that they've lost a massive opportunity to make a move in the U.S. market, especially at a time when uh, I, I think even though you mentioned the Bundesliga and Serie A are ahead of Liga, I think they've stagnated in their in interest, right? I just don't think there's that much interest in either of those two leagues. And I know this is someone who tries to um, promote the Bundesliga, that I, even some of the people who may, five, may have five, six years ago responded to me are like, ah, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a one-team league and all the teams. The other critique I'm getting about the Bundesliga isn't just that Bayern wins every year, but now that every German club effectively plays the same way tactically, which is kind of true. So um, I, there was a huge opportunity they blew. There was also an opportunity, quite honestly, before La Liga got off BN, if they had gotten off BN in that period and had maybe a year or two uh, in, on a more mainstream platform while La Liga was uh, struggling on BN. But I think they missed the boat. Yeah, big time. And and I have to laugh too, because whenever any like French Liga officials are, are interviewed by US publications, they often talk about like, well, yeah, we need to get off being sports and because we want to be competitive and, and compete with the Premier League. Well, the Premier League is so far, I mean, light years ahead of where the French League is in terms of popularity. I mean, they shouldn't even enter the same conversation. However, I would say the French League is great. I, I love the French League. I, I watched last weekend. I watched uh, Rennes beat PSG. Um, I mean, I like that the French has, I mean, in terms of the crowds and the atmosphere and, and the games, um, no complaints. I mean, my issue more so is that I think in many ways, in a perfect scenario, Ligue 1 moves to a streaming platform. However, if you move to ESPN Plus, which would be fantastic, you're then competing for airtime against um, La Liga and the Bundesliga. You can imagine ESPN FC each night, right, would lead off talking about La Liga, would talk about the Bundesliga, but, and, and, quite frankly, and then get to Liga. I, I, okay, so I... I initially said three years ago when the deal was made for the Bundesliga to go to, it was in 2019, right? And then it started in uh, 2020, uh, to, to leave Fox and go to ESPN Plus that I thought it was a bad deal. I then reversed myself after one year on ESPN Plus. Now, three years in, I'm going to say I wish the Bundesliga was still on Fox because I, I think that there was a lot of coverage. You got year one when La Liga wasn't there, and now it's been buried. So okay, that's so, the problem for the French League, as you as you all right. correctly articulated. So, so the French League, if it goes to ESPN Plus, I mean, yes, those games would be shown, but then they're not going to get a lot of limelight on ESPN Plus, especially with all the other leagues going on that, and all the rights that they have. They could go to Paramount Plus, but Paramount Plus says Serie A, which is in direct competition with uh, Ligue 1, they're not going to get as much uh, time or effort or, or l- love from Paramount Plus because of Serie A. Um, League One could go to to go to Peacock. No chance, right? Because the Premier League. I don't know, uh, and I'd love to talk to someone from ESPN about this, or maybe I just don't know the algorithm on YouTube, and it's my fault. Uh, Paramount Plus 
shoves the Serie A highlight clips in my in my face on when I log on to YouTube, which is great. So the games I've missed, I can watch the clips from. Uh, the extended highlights. I never see this for La Liga or Bundesliga. I know ESPN's doing it, but I don't know if Paramount Plus has figured out the algorithm better. Now, if they have, then that's a potential solution for Liga because at least you get higher up on that. Or maybe it's just my personal algorithm. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 the YouTube algorithm. So um, I I love YouTube also. So YouTube will will definitely you watch whatever you watch. It will continue recommending similar things to that. So for example, if if for like like two weeks you stop watching La Liga highlights, it's probably not gonna even if you subscribe to that channel, uh, it's probably not gonna actually recommend it to you. So um. It's almost like going down a rabbit hole. Once you go down a path on YouTube and you're showing interest in watching videos, it'll keep on uh, recommending similar things to that. Because when I log so, on, if it, I log on right now, Chris, the first thing that would pop up would be some Serie A highlights package. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe so it's my fault. That's YouTube. Maybe I need to be no, watching it, more La Liga highlights to, to even it out. Yeah. You, you almost have to train YouTube to kind of uh, tell it what you're what you're watching and then and then watch it and then they'll keep on showing more of that so i I think the french league i mean like so i said peacock i said paramount plus i said espn plus uh apple i don't think so i mean so it it really has nowhere to go i mean so it either sticks on stays on being sports which is not perfect by any means or it gets added to a streaming service that's get that, that just gets lost and, and yeah, I, I think the French league has made some major mistakes and has missed a massive opportunity. And I just don't see it growing at all, even though I have a lot of respect for the league itself. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, we're going to talk about MLS season pass. We talked about it last week uh, in some detail. Uh, we're expecting some more news on the next podcast uh, about it. But here's what Martin Mulcahy says. Fantastic podcast as usual. When talking about edgy and compelling commentators such as Roy Keane uh, to bring uh, to bring onto MLS uh, season pass, my mind imme- immediately went to Eric Winalda. But then remembered you were talking about Major League Soccer. Although we would think Apple, as an entity, has the self confidence for such a hire. So yeah, I think it's really it's not Apple that's driving the talent hires it's it's major league soccer so one of the reasons and we've talked about this in the podcast before but one of the reasons that mls uh, wanted a a centralized production is so that they can control the message so that they can hire the talent they can go ahead and have a consistent message across the league Um, and it's not looking for people that are going to give really good critical analysis that's going to make major league soccer a player or a team look inferior i think it's going to be more safe i think it's conservative it's going to be yes you're providing analysis but you're not ripping a team apart eric winalda you mean fantastic coach fantastic analysis um would if given the opportunity would probably rip a team apart and say like this coach needs to go we need somebody in there that's going to be the right coach for this team um and and eric's not a good fit fit for where major league soccer is going and and i I don't think it has anything to do with apple it's just mls mls will want to hire within within its circle chris says when it comes to the price of mls season pass i think 99 dollars a season is too much especially for the mls fan that watches sporadically 
in my view, what Apple should have done is offer Season Pass for free uh, to Apple TV Plus subscribers, and then four ninety nine a month for non subscribers, which is enough, which is uh, a uh, affordable uh, price point for many fans, and is comparable to competitors like Peacock and Paramount Plus. The price point of season uh, MLS season pass will have an effect on Apple's long-term interest in Major League Soccer because if the number of season pass subscribers declines in the first few years of this deal, we might see Apple lose interest in supporting MLS. That is my biggest fear about this deal. Lastly, the other fear I have about this deal is that once the current Bundesliga or Serie A rights deals end in the next few years, Apple might become more interested in that instead. Yeah, I think that that's uh, possible with the Bundesliga because the price point what ESPN paid was so low that I, I can see Apple uh, spending, uh, give, all, putting more money in front of the Bundesliga and then falling in love with the idea in the U.S. market. In terms of Serie A, they got a pretty good rights fee from CBS and all of the indications I have, and they're about midway through their, their deal now, uh, is that they're happy with it. Now, I don't know that they would want to pay more than they paid uh, for this three-year rights cycle, but uh, I, I feel pretty comfortable Serie A will stay on uh, uh, either CBS or, or go back to ESPN. I, 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 but the Bundesliga, it's a real possibility, yeah. When you think about it, Kartik, MLS Season Pass is going to be the most expensive streaming option for soccer fans in the United States, right? So for 10 bucks a month for ESPN+, Plus, you get La Liga, all the games from La Liga, all the games from the Bundesliga, you get uh, FA Cup, League Cup, maybe USL. Yeah, you, get, you get every USL game, actually. Right, so you get, you get a ton of soccer for 10 bucks a month. Uh, you look at Paramount Plus, you get uh, almost every single Serie A game for, what's it, $5 a month. Uh, you look at uh, Peacock, you get half, basically about 180 uh, exclusive Premier League games a season for 5 bucks a month. Ye- so you add those three together, you add ESPN Plus, Paramount Plus, and Peacock together, and that equals roughly about $15, which is the price that um, MLS Season Pass is. So you have to be... It's hard, right? Because if you're a hardcore soccer fan, a hardcore Major League Soccer fan, you're probably a season ticket holder. If you're a season ticket holder, you will get MLS Season Pass for free. Free in quotation marks. I mean, you're paying for it through your season ticket uh, price, but you're getting it for free. So then what about the, the rest of the audience? The rest of the audience are maybe more casual MLS fans or are interested in MLS. Um, It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy by any means. I really think that Apple needs to, which I'm sure they will, make a huge push on the marketing side. Um, However, I think MLS needs to sign players. I think they need to sign some big players to get those casual fans saying that, okay, 15 bucks a month, it's worth it to see XYZ players now in Major League Soccer, that I, I think to me that that's the key element in this. Yeah, I, so I I, uh, I think the other aspect of this is that some of those casual MLS fans you talk about would have stumbled across an MLS game uh, on. ESPN Plus the last few seasons when they're poking around the platform looking for a uh, a La Liga match or or Bundesliga match or or previously a Serie A match before they moved to CBS. So uh, they they lose that now. You effectively lose that audience. 
And I think uh, the the other problem here potentially is that um, there's been so much conversation about the price point. And I, I was actually really surprised uh, uh, to, to, to Chris's point. Right. Uh, I was really surprised by the thirteen dollars for Apple Plus uh, Apple TV Plus subscribers. I thought, OK, it might maybe it's going to be 15 a month and one uh, hundred dollars a year, ninety nine dollars a year for non Apple TV Plus subscribers. But once you're in the Apple ecosystem, I thought there would be some sort of break in price. Now, the break in price is very minimal. So, in fact, if you combine your Apple TV Plus subscription, what you're paying for that, with the MLS Season Pass subscription, you're paying, uh, uh, over the course of the season, substantially more. Yeah, I think the other part of this, too, is that Apple iPhone users are more affluent than Android users. And I think MLS and, and Apple, really, more so Apple, are banking on Apple. I mean, I mean, such a huge amount of uh, phones in this country. People with, with disposable income, they're banking on these people saying like, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm willing to subscribe. I, I, maybe I'm getting Apple TV Plus for free, right? Sometimes you get the, uh, I don't know, three months free, six months free with, with, with the phone. Yeah, I'm willing to pay... Um, 12 13 bucks a month just to get those MLS games. How, however, that is a <laughs> that's a big leap, right? It's not going to be a guarantee. Um I think the other part of this too contact which we didn't even talk about is that there needs to be more. There needs to be other reasons why you subscribe to MLS season pass. And yes, they have all the video coverage of the league specifics, but in the UK there's a report that this past weekend that the Daily Mail was saying that Apple is interested in the Premier League rights in the UK when they come up for bids, uh, discussions later this year, and Apple is trying to possibly try to kind of break through that Sky Sports, BT Sports, Amazon monopoly. However, even if Apple did get the rights to the Premier League, that's only the UK. Um, and even if they did, Apple did get the rights to the Premier League in the United States, that wouldn't be until what about twenty twenty eight, roughly. Um, that's a long time from now. So, and and even if Apple did say like say they did get the rights to the Premier League, which is which is doubtful, but if they did get the rights to the Premier League in, in the US, um, that would be a separate subscription fee than what MLS Season Pass is, because MLS Season Pass is all. In itself, it, you're not going to get shows and movies with it. And here's something: the uh, again, okay, they maybe they have a chance to to to, to break the the sky monopoly, uh, you know, which with BT and Amazon uh, as other rights holders in the UK. The Premier League is much more conscientious of the fact that they need to stay in some sort of mainstream platform in emerging markets. So they've done that in Asia, they've done that in the United States, uh, they've done that to a large extent in Latin America, right? And they've stuck with NBC here. Uh, in spite of the fact that they could have gotten more money elsewhere. Um, they won't make that mistake, I think, in this market. And that, again, uh, speaks to why MLS made a global deal with Apple when now they're in the same position in every other territory. I mean, they, they were on Eurosport, uh, which is owned by Discovery, uh, at one point uh, in, in many European countries. They were on um, uh, Sky Sports. Sports in the UK, right? So now uh, they're limiting. It's not just a U.S. problem. 
home. They're limiting themselves across the globe. Their television ratings on TSN, I know we, we tend to critique MLS TV ratings in the U.S. on this program. Their television ratings on TSN were pretty good, actually, believe it or not, in Canada. So I, I think they, they may long-term have done a lot of damage to themselves. And you mentioned the Premier League. I don't think this is something the Premier League would do. Unless it was just, uh, I mean, multi, multi, multi billion, billions of dollars, and 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 and, it, and if it was the end of uh, TV as we know we know it in terms of the satellite and cable industries, and we're not there yet. You mean, and and even a couple of years from now, I don't think we're there yet. There's still going to be uh, a lot of people subscribe to TV via cable or satellite. But yeah, you mentioned before too, in terms of uh, in the past, people watching MLS games on ESPN Plus and then getting hooked. At least they have the Fox deal still still in place. So roughly one game a week, um, and they can watch a game on Fox and then get hooked, hooked that way. And, and one one other thing about the additional content. So um, Peacock uh, shows only I think the number I've calculated it this year, or maybe it was you that ca- one of us calculated it was only f- it's forty four percent of their matches this season that are live on Peacock. The rest are on some sort of linear platform, uh, USA, NBC, uh, whatever else. But there are they give you that twenty four seven Premier League channel, and you get to see shows like uh, Kelly and Wrighty. Uh, which is Kelly Cates and Ian Wright, and and these Premier League programs that build the context around the league. I think Apple, to make this work, has to have a constant channel with original programming and some edgy MLS programming, not the kind of stuff, video stuff we see MLS put out, which is very kind, normally very um, propaganda-ish. I mean, truthfully, MLS's written material on their website is much better, I think, than their video material. I, li- I like some of their written material. I think it, it's it's edgier. So to make it work, they kind of have to do that. It's not just the additional video content. I think they have to have a full, uh, full-fledged full MLS TV uh, channel on there, which, it, which it brings in some other opinions, which is where someone like an Eric Winalda would fit in. But they're not going to do it, I don't think. Yeah, MLS has a huge mountain to climb for MLS season pass, and, and it may succeed. I mean, a, a couple of years from now, Kartik, you and I might be saying like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we were, not, not, not that we were wrong, but, but that we doubted Major League Soccer. We doubted Apple. Um, it's, it's a risk. Yeah, it's a gamble. Yeah, because quite, quite frankly, I'll be honest, I'll do a mea culpa here. I, you and I both bashed the NBC Sports Gold thing and the Peacock thing or, or had questions about Pe- when it went to Peacock. But when NBC Sports Gold started, there was a lot of outrage about it. I'm now like very comfortable seeing that money leave my bank account because I feel like I'm getting full value on Peacock for what I'm paying for, which... Right. Well, that's the key. Yeah. That's the key, though. There's five, five bucks a month, right? So for that, I can see huge value. But if, if it was $15 a month, that might be a different story. So, yeah, to me, it all comes down to pricing. I mean, and, and, and product. I mean, what is... I mean, is Major League Soccer going to sign some major players this season? Uh, we will have to wait and see. All right. Next up is Dave. Dave, Dave says, maybe I misheard... But did you say Hispanic audiences under index in streaming? Data I have seen is the opposite, with Hispanic audiences significantly over-indexed in streaming and under-indexed in cable. A challenge for MLS Season Pass is that Hispanic streaming skews more to free and Android rather than to pay and Apple. And Dave, yep, you're 100% correct on, on that. Um in both of those areas. I mean, that that's the other thing about MLS Season Pass, too. The challenge is that um, Hispanics are more likely to have Android phones. 
Um, Hispanics also will not get Major League Soccer uh, anymore on Univision or Tudo NA. So the only way that they can go ahead and watch those games in Spanish language is through MLS Season Pass. That's it. And, and that's another mountain to climb. Uh, Dave goes on to say, MLS outsourcing production to IMG is probably the right move, but must come with a meaningful margin hit. I would love to be a fly on the wall to know what uh, $250 million gross becomes as net. Yeah, and I think in many ways, too, I think for this first season for Major League Soccer in 2023, I mean, it's $250 million from Apple and who knows how much from Fox, probably not that much at all for the TV rights. Um, they may break even. They may lose money the first year. They may, they may take a hit or, or make it a little bit of money. Um, and then you have to wonder about the, the transfer market then too. Okay, can you afford to, to buy some of these big players to bring them in? Um, I think you need to. You really need to be... They need to take risks uh, just as they've taken risks with uh, doing the deal with Apple. This this is going to be a really, really interesting year in 2023. Probably the most interesting one from a soccer streaming perspective. And a lot of the other, the other leagues, too, are looking closely at this Apple MLS deal saying, hey, maybe this is the future. Maybe this is the way things are headed. Maybe this is the deal that makes the most amount of sense, especially knowing how much money Apple has. But or maybe it's not. So we will talk about this in 2023. You can uh, You can bet on that. Uh, just a couple more things, too. Uh, Rick uh, talks about American commentators. Uh, Rick says, I would like to hear TV announcers know the players on the field so that they could name the ball, the player on the ball. This should be their main job. Every two minutes or so, they can briefly discuss the, t- the game's tendencies. Uh, talking too much is a problem, especially with American announcers. Most of what they say is easily seen by the TV viewers. And this goes back to kind of our discussion about kind of our thoughts about the initial uh, lineup of uh, MLS season pass uh, announcers or commentators that they, they've uh, announced thus far. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure too more to be announced um, in the next week or two. Last but not least, uh, Charlie wants to talk about Sirius XM. Charlie says, hi, guys, I, want, I really enjoyed the podcast. Due to busy schedules and travel, I often have found myself over the last few years listening to games on Sirius XM uh, satellite radio. Is it me or are those commentators far more entertaining than television? Is it a function of having to be, uh, to be more sarcastic and mix, mixing in, in humor for just audio? They cut away for goal calls on other games um, in the flow of play. They read tweets from the global audience, etc. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I often sync up serious with the television now. Yeah, this is a growing trend. I, I've talked to many fans who do this, Charlie, and I've actually found when I'm traveling uh, and listening to Sirius uh, in my car, uh, I'm getting, I think, more of a uh, of, of a feel for the game. And then they, they, they cut to the other matches, as you, as you said. I think the commentary is different, and maybe it's more structured and attuned to, to my personal preferences and that of others, maybe including you. So, um, yeah. Yeah, this is a growing trend. I, as I as, as I said, I know people who are doing the same thing. They're they're listening to uh, the Talksport commentary or, or Sirius XM and syncing it up, muting uh, uh, Peacock or NBC, and just, just trying to sync it up with the television coverage. And uh, if that means that uh, they're uh, a minute behind in the radio or thirty seconds behind, they sync it. 
Yeah, I think this is the the talk sport uh, commentators that are that do all the Premier League games. So you can go to the talk sport website, and it's hard to find. It's not easy to find by any means, but within uh, their website, you can listen to um, audio for each of those Premier League games that are happening. Um, I've done the same thing as you, Kartik, when I'm, I've been you know, traveling or you know, in the car listening to that radio commentary uh, through TalkSport, actually, or through the TalkSport website, not through Sirius. And it's, it's, it's different. The, the, the one thing I don't like about it is that the commentators aren't, are not that good. So for the most part, um, it's, it's I mean, the, the quality level of those commentators compared to television is... There's a big difference between the two. However, I do like the interactivity. I do like them reading out tweets, oftentimes from American soccer fans located in 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 who who knows what places throughout America. Um, and it is a little bit more fun to listen to. But uh, for me, I'd, I'd much prefer, prefer BBC Radio Five Live for the radio commentary, or of course watching it um, um, on TV and listening to the commentators there. <coughs> All right, listeners. We want you to have your say, so uh, definitely let us know what uh, feedback you have, what questions you have. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. There's a bunch of different ways you can reach out to us. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, leave us a voicemail, and that is 561-247-4625, or you can send us an email, which is uh, web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can go to the worldsoccertalk.com website, click on podcast and then leave a comment in the latest uh, episode. Uh, you can reach us uh, on Twitter, at World Soccer Talk, or on Facebook, and that's uh, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Kartik, where can listeners find you and uh, Beyond the 90 that, on Substack? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so KKFLA737 on Twitter and beyondthe90.net at Substack. Uh, oh, sorry. Beyondthe90.substack.com uh, is where you, uh, you can find me there uh, at the new site that, that I've launched with a couple of other writers. Uh, we offer free subscriptions and paid subscriptions. I'll be honest. Uh, a lot of the stuff is going to be free, particularly the stuff about uh, U.S. soccer-related topics. The, the pay uh, content is going to mostly be about Europe and transfers and, and, and match analysis, etc. So that's uh, kind of there's, – there's a two-tier model there. So you can sign up for the free or the paid subscription all right listeners thank you for joining us we really appreciate your time and uh before we head out kartik uh, a big weekend we've got the bundesliga on friday coming back after the winter break we've got the premier league fan fest in orlando which both you and i will be at uh so look out for for me there uh wearing probably a world soccer talk uh polo shirt and of course we've got leagues from around the world tons of soccer we've got french cup uh league on you name it kartik uh what are you gonna do and what should the listeners do enjoy your football you know the sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.